Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. Say what? Uh, welcome along the last episode in our festive Yuletide Knowles Christmas Odyssey. We're looking at the 1985 Noel Edmonds Live Live Christmas Breakfast Show, which was broadcast on BBC One live, as you might suspect, uh, over the Christmas lunch lunchtime period. So pre-lunch, I think it was about half 11 or half one it was on. Yeah, Which I always remember this show because I did it every year for a few years. I always remember it mm. being like first thing in the morning. But no, clearly was, I, I've got that wrong. It might be that it was the first thing I switched on because... Probably, that was it. You probably open your presents till about you 11. Go presents you quite early, presents you? And then, Stocking first. Yeah. Stocking yeah, first, presents. then presents. Big, big present first, work your way down, or random selection? Nah, I think there's a sort of... I think there was a sort of an unwritten, like, manners rule that you wouldn't just tear into. Like, we, we I think we did it, it would be my mum and um, me and my brothers, and there was four of us. And, and, in fact, this is probably going back last Christmas, but the, the I, I remember t- telling you about the brown armchairs, which is, I think, where Brown John came derived yeah. from. Because we yeah. had four brown armchairs that my mum had bought secondhand off someone at the building company she worked for. Right. And I, I remember telling you that what happened was we each, each of these four disgusting armchairs, right, <laughs> that faced each other on either side of the room, each one was a different, like, for each of me and my brothers, four brothers, four brown yeah. armchairs. Yeah. Not for sitting on, but on Christmas Day, what my mum would do bless her, is put like a, a, a pile of presents, one on each chair. Yeah. When we were waiting, or they'd be brought from the tree to that chair. Bring the presents from the tree to my brown armchair. And while I was waiting in my dressing gown and pyjamas, all my brothers would be hung over and sort of annoyingly <laughs> laid back about Christmas. That would really fuck me yeah. off. Yeah. Like when not you're best. a kid, anyone who's not fucking manic with excitement about Christmas upsets and offends you. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because you totally. need... Excuse me. You need everyone to be on board. But my brothers were teenagers, so whether they were putting it on or not, I don't know. But it was all sort of like, oh, fucking hell, a big night last night, didn't I? Oh, uh, can't wait to get back on the beers this morning. No. Whereas I'd just be fucking running around in circles, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. practically pissing my it's pants. Christmas. Beep, beep. Come on, everyone. Be as excited as me. And I fucking stuck my... And I remember just being on my knees with my face burrowed into the seat <laughs> of the brown armchair and I can remember the smell. That's where it came from, brown oh, job. Right, yeah. Must have been this time last year because I had my face burrowed into the smelly brown armchair and it sort of smelt of kind of bisto gravy and farts. Oh, God. 
which yeah. is not a very Christmassy smell. No, I suppose gravy might be. Gravy's for all the year, though. Gravy's yeah, for all the year. It wasn't pleasant, and I can still remember it because those are the things that sort of live with you. And that probably yeah. would have been around Christmas 1985. It would have been Noli's Christmas. And um, But then what happened was they came over and you'd be a bit polite. You'd all take mm-hmm. it into, right, your time to open a present. Well, I'm not going to open the big one because that's what a cunt would do. So I'm going to open the second biggest one. <laughs> but I tell you what would always go open first because it would be the one thing that all of us would have that would not be wrapped. And I'd wager you and your brother would have had this as well, was one of those sort of netted stockings that contained... Like a Milky Way, a Mars, yeah. a Twix, and yeah. the fucking uh, Snickers. Marathon. Yeah, they were never wrapped, were they? You didn't wrap them. They were, they were, because they were your already dad, pre-housed. Your mum just dumped them on top of the rest yeah. of it. There you go. Have Here's that. a little bonus. Why am I going to wrap that? So all the stuff in it's wrapped up anyway. It's in a net. It's in it's a fucking, fucking net that's shaped like a-, a weird sock. Or, of <laughs> course, if you were lucky enough, your big present would be too big to be wrapped. Like a bike oh. or something like that. That would yeah, be a big Yeah, one year I had that with kit. a bike. And another year I had a miniature snooker table from Argos. Yeah. You know the yeah. type. Unwrappable presents, the best kind. <laughs> yeah, it's um. true. Yeah, maybe just <laughs> stick a big bow on it or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this this it used to be on at about 11 o'clock, I think. And it would go on. And then something else would be on. Then Top of the Pops would be on at 2 o'clock. And the Queen will be on at three. We'd go to the pub and and we'd always get back from the pub in time for Top of the Pops. Yeah. And then you'd watch a bit of Top of the Pops and have like lunch at about, or dinner as you would have called it, around about three. Christmas dinner, yeah. I think that's about, that's appropriate. You don't want to go earlier than that on Christmas Day, ideally, do you? Well, these days I have mine about two at the latest. (sighs) Because there's less the to do during was, the morning. There's less to fill in. The kids open their presents. They, they get fewer presents now because they're older. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Times have changed. I mean, back in those days, going to the pub for quite a lot of drinking was a large part of it. Whereas now, yes, there's time to fill. So you might as well just get down to business. Did you used to watch yeah. the raccoons in the morning first thing? They used to always have the raccoons Christmas special on first thing in the morning. I don't remember morning. that. I don't do you remember, remember that, those no. cunts, though? no. Cyril no. Sneer and all of those. They oh, lived in yeah. a big fucking forest. He was a mm. he was a raccoon, but he was also a property developer. Side hustle. <laughs> was no, it wasn't really. I mean, almost his side hustle was being a raccoon. Oh, so he his main hustle was property development. Yeah. And it was almost like, yeah, I happen to be a raccoon, but that doesn't define it doesn't me. Doesn't hold me back. Yeah. He was a cunt, and then there was some human children, a dog. And right. some benign raccoons, I think hippies, right. who lived in the woods Hippie that Cyril Sneer was constantly trying to have bulldozed in order to build factories or luxury <laughs> flats or whatnot. It feels, it feels very uh, Tory orientated. Cyril was, Sneer. Yeah. Tory Cyril Sneer. raccoons. <laughs> he was a Tory raccoon, but it was it was set in America, but it was like I don't know, it was um that he was very much the baddie of the piece. Yeah. But at the same time, he was an anti-hero. I suppose, like the other greats, well, in that era, you had similar people, like you had J.R. Ewing, you had Alexis Carrington, and you had <clears throat> Wilmot Brown and mm. Cyril Sneer. 
those were like the four kind of anti-heroes of, of television that kind, kind of, like, of embodied um, the Thatcherite spirit. And, and the, the message behind all of them was, listen, these people might not be nice in a traditional sense, but it's the 80s now. And where did nice get us in the 60s and 70s? I tell you where, go into the International Monetary Fund, cap in hand, mm. begging for handouts from our continental cousins. Well, no more. The time for niceness is over, right? Bad guys win. That's what they were trying to tell us. So sort of like the modern equivalent of like maybe Joe Rogan. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is what his shtick is, isn't it, bad so guys? Fuck off Joe Rogan. Let's <laughs> run into Joe Rogan. Is it his fault, uh, all this toxic masculinity and all this stuff that's flying uh, about? I think it's him and Peaky Blinders. I think that's where it's all from. Completely. I don't know. I don't understand a lot of stuff that the goes on. The world would now. be a better place if all of those millions of listeners he's got started listening to our podcast Kim, instead. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, if you are listening for the first time, you've come from Joe Rogan. Welcome. <laughs> this sure is the Nolan's Odyssey. I'm sure you'll find this a delightful place to spend your time. Would you um, include Noel Edmonds as one of those 1980s anti-heroes that proved that nice guys don't win? I'm not sure, because Noel kind of painted himself as a nice guy. He was he was there to make the world a better place, I think. That he also, in those days, he would have remained stringently apolitical. I think so, yeah. But deep down under the surface... I've got a strong sense he was a, was a lot big of Tory voter. Oh, I think so. Yeah, but <laughs> I think so. he would have not. He would have had no truck with either political party. He at was the time, savvy no enough to not paint his colours to the mast, just in case. They do that for many years. These television celebrities until they reach a, a phase where they feel that they're above that. You know, like mm. when Gok Kwan claimed that he was above the sun. Yes, which we took to mean the newspaper, but we weren't sure he might have meant the actual ball yeah. of fire, the sun, and and. Um, like, it was interesting the way that Ant and Deck during I'm a Celebrity this year were getting stuck into the Prime Minister. Yeah. It was very funny, and I thought it was brilliant. But I was surprised because I thought Ant and Deck, one of the secrets of their success is that they've been loved by all sides. You know, the 97%, the 3%, yeah. uh, every fucker. Um, mm. So... I was surprised they did it because for so many years they'd managed to never say anything that could have alienated them from any sector of the British public. And yeah. now I think they're at a stage and an age where they're just like, fuck it. But you know what? It felt like a throwback. It felt like a throwback to maybe the 80s where you would have... Um, you'd have people who were like game show presenters or or let's say Jimmy Tarbuck at Live at Her Majesty's Theatre presenting that every mm. Sunday night. And they regularly make cracks about Thatcher mm. and whatever the government actually. were doing that week. And it was like governments were fair game. And there seems to be this cultural shift now where people are almost afraid to um, say anything about the government because then some fucking backbench MP will pipe up that, uh, they'll appear on fucking Good Morning Britain and pipe up that this is biased by the broadcasters and blah 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 and yeah. it's unfair. Broadcasters are scared. But They're scared. To be fair, the yeah. public, the public, because of social media and stuff, will express anger about it. Whereas before, the British public would have been, ha ha, that's all a bit of a laugh. Like mm -hmm. you'd have, I'm sure there was plenty of Tories who watched Spitting Image 
and fucking laughed at the portrayal of Thatcher as like, you know, this evil monster, right? Mm. Because they thought, it's funny, you should take the piss out of those in in positions of power That's Saturday, isn't it? We've always had Saturday, that's how it works. It's essential to a healthy democracy, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. Right, it's whichever the, side you're on. Of why we're not Whereas now it's all like you can't say that. That's yeah. disrespectful. Yeah. It's it's interesting that social media has, in some ways, they say, oh, it increases freedom of speech and it democratizes uh, society more. But in other ways, it sort of has had the effect of making us more reverential and capped off in. <clears throat> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because there's a lot of people who run around where it's something about the royals or the government. And say, and with that kind of, but you can't say that sort of attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking madness. I mean, and they're the, you know. they're usually the first ones to be piping up about freedom of speech as well. But then, unless it's something they don't want you to say, it's free. Like we said before, it's freedom of speech as long as it's something that's a bit racist. Yeah, just like Ice T said, freedom of speech. That's a motherfucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, and he, Thanks, you know, Ice it's T. one of the wisest things. Ever that anyone well, as you said. just said, Ice will will use that as a jump off point to get back into this Noel Edmonds live live breakfast fiasco, mm. because we're back in Rusper with Smitty, um, and some ice is on fire. Mm. It seems uh, there's some big Which blocks of ice. Doesn't and it, seem to make any sense. Does doesn't it seem make any sense at all? The ice seems to be ablaze for some reason. It's just another wild part of this wild ride, and then there's another broom race where they uh, spin the broom above their head six times and try to run in a straight line fairly easily, as you observed uh, in an earlier episode. And then we go back to the man who uh, jumped out of the exploding fridge earlier on, uh, Ice Boar. Now, uh, this is obviously a play on words of Rambo, because Rambo First Blood 2 came out in 85, so Rambo was big time in 1985. And this, is, this isn't Rambo, this is Ice Boar. And his job is to melt all of the ice on those blocks, which he seems to have done by, I don't know, it was his douse that with fucking lighter fuel or something, and then set it alight. Um, and his purpose is to melt all the ice during the duration of this show and then hopefully have an ice bath at the end. That's him. <laughs> That's his shtick. And he's got an entire fridge to explode as his entrance before he does this. So we see him doing a bit of that. He's got a bit of uh, water there from the ice that he's been melting. And that's the last we see of him. We don't find out what happens. We don't see him in his ice bath at the end. It's one of the great um, unsolved mysteries of this Christmas puzzle that we're faced with. That, that's what it is. There is a lot of unsolved mysteries in this. But I think Edmunds, above all else, places the emphasis on pace. For him, yeah. there's nothing, but there's a lot of different things that make up a great TV spectacle. But nothing is more important than pace. Keep moving. Mm. Keep moving mm-hmm. on. Next like thing, a next shark. thing, next thing. I bet he used to say to Michael Harl and Smitty and all the rest of them in a pre-production meeting, if a shark dies when it stops moving forward, yeah, I am the shark. I am t- TV shark. Yeah. And a kind of it's similar, the shark of the sky is the jumbo jet aeroplane, mm. which is featured heavily in this, or even the helicopter. So um, that's a, a similar similar vibe there. So yeah, the he wants everything moving all the time. And it's a really good policy because, I mean, if you keep going, then you don't give people time to think about what you've just said. I mean, mm. to be honest, it's always been a, like one of my sort of guiding principles in broadcasting and just yeah. in day-to-day conversation. 
if you keep yeah. talking, then no one really has time to sort of stop and think what he just said was fucking bollocks, mate. Mm, well, I mean, that underpins this podcast, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, I've been working on that. I, I assume you have too for many years. <laughs> Never let them analyse what you've done. Keep going. No. Um, so the loonies in Rusper are having a welly race. Their wellies are full of freezing mud. I mean, it's fucking zany. It really is. There's uh, an egg-throwing competition with Jeff Stevenson. Do you remember him? He was no. a kind of, thir- not third-rate, but kind of lower-league uh, Edmonds-type character. I think he might have been a Radio 1 DJ for a bit as well. Oh, so I he- remember when he comes on, yeah, because he, like he seems to have a little bit more he? spice about him than the other regional yeah. like reporters yeah. that he's got on that day. He's, he's like is he a little bit cockney? Is he yeah. a little bit... Yeah, all right, yeah. now. Yeah. Smitty's I think he was the BBC's answer to Danny Baker, or <laughs> who was the guy, or the cabbie who won Mastermind? Fred Housecore, yeah. Yeah. He had a bit of the house goes about him, didn't he? <laughs> Without the intellect. Um, so <laughs> Smitty's about to fuck off, and that's why Jeff Stevenson's been drafted in to, to carry on the Rusper uh, coverage. So the egg throwing competition's going on, which involves throwing an egg 100 feet and getting someone to catch it. And one of the catchees is someone in a chicken suit. It's it's nuts. Uh, but you can hear the helicopter getting ready to take off in the background. And Smitty is about to fuck off. He's going to a cricket match, it says. Uh, he's mm. got one of those brick mobile phones. Um, and the, the, the helicopter's got the word Cellnet painted up the side, <laughs> which of course Cellnet was the yeah. first mobile network, wasn't it? So they used to sponsor um, a Middlesbrough, mate. They did. And that was like 95. They sponsored Middlesbrough Stadium. And so they were still was going. Kind of, 95 was early stages. They turned into T-Mobile, I think, and then O2. Mm. So I, I don't know if Solnet still is a, um, a mobile network. but um, They were pioneers, so, weren't they? Yeah. <clears throat> All them brick phones that the yuppies had, which Mike Smith's got here, they were behind them. Uh, there's a man with ugly knees in a kilt. In Norwich, someone else has brought a door, uh, and then the fastest lads up the stairs get their medals. This is a good bit because Noel's got them all on the sofa, presenting yeah. them with their medals. And the winners were two of them who ran as a pair. And this is completely thrown Noel because there's only oh, one medal. No, no, this is another moment where you know Noel is quite clearly seething. <laughs> Yeah. He's still managing to like paint on a smile because he's a pro. It's like, you can it's see like, the fire in his eyes. Yeah, it's like, look, yes, this is zany. Yes, this is madcap. Yes, you're all loonies. But underneath, there are rules. <laughs> and rules need to be followed. <laughs> he's more annoyed with the, the producers. Why the mm. fuck didn't anyone tell me that two of them were running as a fucking pair? We haven't got enough fucking medals. And now who looks like a cunt? That's right, Edmonds, as usual. Well, that's fine. I'll take the bullets for you fuckers. <laughs> and the four lads, they're all like dull, lower middle class, kind of like, I don't know, my like engineering graduates or something like that. They're just yeah. really fucking boring. <laughs> uh, but they yeah, get well, the like, I mean, this is the unspeakable truth. Which obviously we pride ourselves on saying the unspeakable, speaking the unspeakable <laughs> truth. Of course, the unspeakable truth, as we touched upon in the last episode, was the sort of people who take part in zany charity events <laughs> are 
always fucking tedious. And I'm sorry if you're one of those people. <laughs> I, admi- I don't think you're a bad person. I admire you and respect you for making yeah. the effort. But it's you're working so hard to be interesting mm-hmm. by thinking I'm going to dress up and run a long way or it's, I'm going to dress up and yeah. eat fucking 100 eggs or something Sit like in that. Sit a bath full of big beans. It's, it's yeah, all, it means it's you trimmer. must be so inherently boring if you have to make that much effort. You're working overtime to be interesting. Trying to bolt on a personality where there isn't one. Yeah. But best of luck to you. It's, it's um, really bad. It's a bad thing to say, but I'm I'm sorry. I, I strongly Christmas believe it's well. true. And these, yeah, and these people, I, I'm all for charity, right? Up to but a it, point. No, I'm all for charity. I'm all for giving. But, you know, listen, the truth is, we if we wanted to give money to charity, we'd do it, whether or not you did a wacky fucking thing, right? If anything, it's going to put us off. I've done 10Ks for charity, but to me, that's not wacky. That's like, I'm running anyway. Yeah, Maybe once a year a chicken, or once every couple of years, I'll go, fucking yeah. pay me to run and I'll give it to a charity. Yeah. But I'm not going to fucking dress up mm. or do it on stilts. Dress up as Metal Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> I'd do that. I'm, I'm not going to moonwalk that. across the <laughs> Scottish Highlands or something like, moonwalk across the Scottish Highlands carrying my cat. Mm. Jalapeño. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you wouldn't be hearing this brief but annoying message if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Jalapeño. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jalapeño. So then we have, there's a window cleaner who's outside the top floor of Telecom Tower. I mean, this is like 24 flights up or whatever. Um, and Noel has a chat with the window cleaner. Uh, through the window again it's 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 wacky stuff but the uh the helicopter that has been buzzing around filming stuff is nearby it gives it a name what he calls it the helicopter doesn't he no 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 it's called the telly heli the heli telly that was it, the, holi- the helicopter is the one that's down in rusper that smitty's been in and the heli telly is the other it's one it's just the, the the helicopter they've got flying around with the camera yeah so this guy 
Uh, this window cleaner says that he's got a remote control for the helicopter because he got it for Christmas. So they have a little set piece where he pretends to control the helicopter and it ends up going in the wrong direction. But at this point, I'm just like, this thing is just all about helicopters. Noel is it's fucking just like, obsessed with helicopters. Noel's obsession with helicopters is borderline dangerous at this stage. <laughs> yeah. It's like what Noel has done is he's pitched to Michael Grade, I'll do a charity live Christmas show from the top of the telecom tower. We'll fill it with all sorts of different features. It'll be really fun and exciting. It'll be full of warmth, but also fun. And it will be great. And her, and, and Michael Gray's gone, this sounds great, Noel. How much you need, right? But the truth is, is that Noel's thinking in his head, ah, silly cunt. What I'm actually doing is I'm going to do a two-hour fucking helicopter special. <laughs> yeah. For all we yeah. know as well, it was he had something he had something a bit Roy Race going on the side because he's yeah. you know he was at this stage he was balls deep in his own helicopter company. He he he, he owned and ran a helicopter was, leasing company. He did. It was all about him, wasn't it? Um, and there's a bit I'm, also at the beginning on the Holly Collie where Smitty it gets a bit too matey at times because Smitty is getting out of the helicopter and he mm. mentions the name of the Holly Collie pilot. And he says, oh, uh, the pilot was so-and-so. He says to say hello. And Noel says, yep, I, kn- I, know, I know John. I know him very well. Great guy. Send him my best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but, all right, lads. You don't have to have this cosy mates with the helicopter lads fucking chat on air on Christmas Day. I know, I know. But I remember, though, this is, this is part of Noel's DNA. Noel presented Top Gear for a couple of years in the early yes. 80s. Which yeah. doesn't doesn't get talked about, but this is all part of his. He probably left because of creative differences. I reckon he probably wanted more, he helicopters, wanted more helicopters in Top Gear. He's like, the, cut, listen, cars are fucking antiquated. They're the black. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Right, cut. You will not see five years from now. You will not see a single car on the streets of Britain because everyone will be in fucking helicopters doing a television program about cars. <clears throat> We'll soon look like doing a television program about fucking horses. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. They're antiquated. Forget They're about yesterday's it. news. Helicopters, helicopters, helicopters. Be like Everyone the shark. It's, sure, it's expensive now, but in a few years, you'll be able to get cheap helicopters from Japan. <laughs> Sir Clive Sinclair is working on the first sub £400 <laughs> helicopter. That's going to be a revolution, a game changer. <laughs> They got consumer helicopters is a boom industry. <laughs> Noel Edmonds doing Top Gear. That's why I was asked about Chris Evans, wasn't it? When I did that yeah. bit about the, the Top Gear thing. Well, well yeah, actually, he, you know, it makes perfect sense him doing Top Gear actually, because we were talking on the last episode about does. all the it's influence you see of Noel's TV it, vision mm. and the role it plays to this day in television. Well, <clears throat> Top Gear is another one. That whole idea of having. Wacky stunts, mm-hmm. studio audience, yep. contriving things going wrong even when they've actually been planned meticulously, and lots yep. of uh, outside broadcasts from different parts of the world. That is all Noel. It's all come. It didn't Noel, start Noel, anywhere other than Noel Edmonds. Noel probably thinks the Top Gear is still his baby, and that he sees everything that happens now in it. It's all his. Why? Doing. Yeah, and he's fucking fuming that he doesn't get any money. <laughs> Angela Rippon was the first presenter of Top Gear, it says here. Angela Rippon. I think we should deep dive those episodes if we can find them on YouTube. Dig them out, yeah. So then there's an excellent 
piece of this programme where Noel attempts the first ever computer draw. Oh, this is a high so point of the show. Noel has got this computer in front of him and there's certain things he has to do to draw a random name. First time this has ever been done, apparently. I don't know, if not even on TV, just anywhere ever, which seems unlikely, but whatever. So he's got little instructions he has to follow and he fucks it up. Um, and he gets this code on the screen that he has to type in, but then he, he seems to type in a few other letters afterwards by mistake, and he, he says, you can tell I'm not a typist or something like that, because I don't know yeah, yeah. what the letters are on the keyboard. He's starting to get yeah, slightly it's, flustered. It's, it's such a weird... It's one of the strangest sequences of TV you'll ever see, because while this is happening, there's it's basically the closest thing you can compare it to is now when you're trying to tell your parent something. Uh, about how to use their computer. Yeah. And they're getting frustrated and there are really long silent pauses where they just stare, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're mm-hmm. frozen. And that's what it's like. But you keep thinking, in the context of today, you keep thinking it's because he doesn't understand how the computer works. But it's much more basic than that. He doesn't know where the keys are on a fucking yeah. keyboard. Which yeah. now, there's no... I mean, they were, we were all like that once upon a time. Right, I remember we my mum could touch type, yeah, and it mm-hmm. was just—it's an incredible thing to watch her type. It was—it would still to this day it fucking blows your mind the speed at which she can go at right from years mm. of secretarial work. But she'd been she'd been on a course, right? Yeah, it'd been drilled into her. <laughs> been drilled into. She'd been to fucking touch type boot camp, right? <laughs> yeah. But the, the, what's interesting is. In these days, you unless you were like literally a secretary, you had no dealings with keyboards. No one had computers or, in the home or word processors. Yeah, no, much less computers would a fucking just phone in, in your home, pocket with a QWERTY yeah, keyboard. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, if and you, so if, if you literally didn't know, it did take fucking ages it was, it was to gibberish. type even it's, your name. Why is it not alphabetical? What is this? Is this Russian? Yeah, but what makes this such a weird sequence is that. There is, this is the whole show's been all about pace, action, yeah. noise, laughter, right? And all of a sudden, we have this sequence where it is just a strange little bearded man in a silly jumper <laughs> sat <laughs> at a really old fashioned computer, staring yeah. at it in complete silence. <laughs> yeah. That is Which, dead air. And as they say on Partridge, that's a crime. I mean, that's the thing. And you can see Noel getting increasingly frustrated the longer it goes on because that whole pace has just dropped completely. And so, I imagine Michael Hurl saying in his ear, listen, drop it, we'll move on. Let's throw to Smitty and come back once you've no, got it Noel's sorted. Noel's ignoring him. But Noel's ignoring him because Noel's brain has just fucking frozen. <laughs> At this stage, Noel's lost control of himself and the show. And, by extension, the nation. <laughs> But it's reflective of dads across the country who in 1985 will have been giving their kids ZX Spectrums and Commodore 64s for Christmas and trying to yeah, set them up for them. Definitely. So this will be happening all across the land. So no, really, this is the thing that resonates most with everybody, not bringing a door along or some fried eggs. This is Britain in 1985 on Christmas Day. Everyone, but, yeah, this would have been a big year for home computers, actually. Yeah. The Commodore and the Spectrum yeah. and the, uh, the, the bringing up the rear, the one I had. The Amstrad. The Amstrad, and even the BBC for the SWATs. Yeah, um, yeah. The, 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 this was really big this year, especially the Commodore 64, which mm. I would say remains the king. Like, if you knew someone who had a Commodore, mm. there was huge envy. I, had a, I was happy with my Spectrum, actually. I thought the Spectrum was better. 
But never mind. Let's not get into that. Yeah, let's not get into that. So he fucks it up, and then he tries again. He fucks it up again, and then there's a great bit where he just nonchalantly says, "I'm happy to do this all day, actually." Uh, <laughs> and that's a fucking sign again. Yeah. To hurl in his ear. Because yeah, you yeah. know when he says, I'm wearing this earpiece and I don't yeah. usually wear one on the breakfast show, right? Yeah. Because his thing is, I don't, this is what other presenters do. I fly They've made me wear pants. one today and I don't like it because I don't like yeah. being told what to do. Yeah. And so, so a lot, he said- after he mentions that fairly early in the show, a lot of what he says afterwards, I'm thinking of it in those terms i'm thinking that what he's saying is not really so much communication to us but it's a message to michael hurl yeah so he says i'm happy to do this all day michael's yeah. going it it's fucked Noel. move Darling. on go to smitty Darling. i repeat Kill go it. to smitty and Noel's like no mate i'll do I'm this all do this all day, actually. i'm in charge now not yeah. you come not, not you and not this fucking computer <laughs> yeah Noel's in charge and if Noel wants to sit staring at a keyboard, his finger hovering over it in stony, awkward silence for the next hour, Noel fucking will, mate. If Noel wants to have a breakdown live on TV on Christmas Day, he's going to do it. <laughs> so, even- and if Noel says that that's great Christmas entertainment, then it is great Christmas entertainment Noel because does. Noel is the fucking arbiter of what constitutes television entertainment in this country. The, the arbiter and the architect. <laughs> So he, um, yeah, I'm happy to do this all day. Actually, he says just really nonchalantly through gritted teeth when he's rich, dying inside. But he succeeds eventually, and then a load of full names and what seemed to be phone numbers of women called Julie yeah. appear on the screen. Massive data breach live <laughs> on TV. These days, <laughs> fucking half a million pound fine straight away. Yeah. But back then, <laughs> this is the era. If you watch old episodes of the Big Match revisited with Brian Moore from yeah. the, the late 70s, there's bits where he reads out letters that people have sent in. And he reads out the name of the, the letter writers. And he also reads out their full addresses as well on the big match. It's mad. It's <laughs> fucking postcode. mad. Yeah, everything. It's like, I mean, they call it doxing, don't they? When someone reveals someone's yeah, personal details. Yeah, now people use that. that. They weaponise it. It's a weapon, yeah. But back so, then, it was a privilege, not a weapon. It was a treat. Do yeah. you know they read my whole address out on the television at the weekend? I yeah. feel famous. So, so you've got a load of Julies and their telephone numbers appearing on the screen. So God knows what anyone would do with that. And, uh, yeah, Julie has won uh, a prize, I think, hasn't she? Oh, they get in touch with Julie shortly afterwards. That comes along uh, shortly afterwards. Then we have the comic relief segment that begins which is some pre-recorded bits of top comedians facing difficult audiences. Uh, and they're not great. We've got Rowan Atkinson goes into Michael Grade's office and tells him a joke about a naughty bus. Billy Connolly tells a joke to one woman in the audience who's not interested. John Cleese tells a joke to Alan Parker, the film director, who also doesn't really care. It's, um, it, what they've done is they've come up with this idea, how do we launch Comet Relief? Yeah, we need really a series badly. of sketches that are quite easy to film. So go, well, let's get famous comedians. And the the shtick is, is that they're telling jokes to the hardest audiences in the world. And they go, ha, ah, that's funny. So one could be Michael Gray. We could get Michael Gray to do it, yeah? And that would be funny, wouldn't it? Because like, he's the controller mm. of BBC. He's, he's legendarily sort of quite tough. Yeah. yeah. And then what are the other ideas? And after that, they have immediately run out of ideas. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk us through your feelings about the Lenny Henry one? I don't really have any feelings about it. Did you not think it was peculiar? In Basically, what way? they've said, right, each of these comedians will be telling jokes to very difficult audiences. So you yeah. see the Michael Gray, Billy Connolly, like yeah, yeah. then it gets to Lenny Henry and it's on a very mm. tight shot. And mm. Lenny Henry is telling a number of jokes um, about my wife's so ugly that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, straight away you're thinking, fucking hell, this is a bit off colour, right? My wife's so ugly. I don't even remember jokes like that. Well, I remember mother-in-law jokes, right? Yeah. And I and obviously we're all familiar with your mother jokes, mm. right? But my wife's so ugly that these are jokes that I don't quite sort of remember being a, a big I think trope. Yeah, I think they were a thing. I think that right. among the, the, the lower it, orders of the comedy it, scene. It seems yeah. on Christmas Day, right? It seems on Christmas Day, Lenny Henry telling jokes about the ugliness of his wife, right? Seems a little bit not in the Christmas spirit, but fine, mm. whatever you think. It's 1985, maybe it was all right. But you do wonder why it's on such a tight shot and you can't see who he's telling the joke to. Yeah. So after a number of quite unfunny wife jokes, it cuts back to the studio but and no. I guessed who it was, but okay. Yeah, you, you would have guessed, but it, it, it cuts back to the studio and Noel says, Haha, and why was the audience so tough? Well, I'll tell you, because the person he was telling those jokes to was his wife, the actress and comedian Dawn French. And the way he introduced <laughs> her reminds you that she wasn't nearly as famous then as she is now, because she yeah. would have been in the comic strip, a few cameos in The Young Ones, but yeah. not the big deal that she became. And then it makes it even worse because it's like he's making a load of jokes about how ugly she is to her. Mm. And then there's an awkward sort of wrap up where she goes, I don't get it. That's that's not funny. I'm not ugly. And mm. then he kind of apologizes and she chastises him. And it's just a really badly written and executed little <laughs> yeah. piece that yeah. leaves you just really awkward. <laughs> and he, and Noel, of course, is has got no interest in trying to help matters either he's yeah. like he he hates the whole comic relief thing other than billy Connolly. he hates lenny henry and dawn french he thinks it's they the have no place on mainstream yeah. television yeah. and he delights in the fact that it's fallen flat on its ass and he just lets that breathe for a bit doesn't he yeah yeah it was just all of that comic relief shit just really annoyed me i skimmed over it so then noel gets in touch with julie who won the prize draw it turns out she's only 12 um, and he says that he's legally obliged to ask her a skill testing question. They can't just give her the prizes because she's been drawn. There's like right. a rule or a law, or whatever, that you have to ask her a yeah. question. So he just thinks on the hoof and he just asks her, what day is it today? <laughs> and she says, Christmas Day. So obviously she's won the prize and he tells her what the prize package is and it includes some champagne. <laughs> for a fucking 12-year-old. So he's followed the laws of having uh, ask her a skill-based question, but then he's also given a 12-year-old some champagne live on air. Um, then we move on to Belfast, and we've got the biggest door so far, um, which has been it's a garage, garage door, door isn't it? which has yeah. been brought by a, a fella called Andrew, who appears to be insane. Yeah. Um, which no would ordinarily love, but at Belfast, so this fella could be dangerous as well. So no, <laughs> again, let's keep this to long. an absolute minimum, guys. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not comfortable with the with the Belfast link up at all. 
and Noel says to him, have you have you taken it down from the garage today? And, and the fella says, oh, it was sitting there on the roof rack of the car and I brought it down. <laughs> he already had a garage door on his roof rack on Christmas Day. And Noel ends the segment by saying, what a wonderful accent. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I'm like... We say all the things it influenced on TV, this sort of type of Noel Edmonds show, but like the the extent to which it 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 foreshadowed Partridge. I mean, I know mm. the writers like it was Patrick Marble, wasn't it? And weren't weren't Lee and Herring and, and Coogan all involved in yeah, the creation in, in of Alan Partridge, yeah. right? Yeah. And they all cite different influences. Yeah. Uh, I think Nicholas Parsons, was that is that right? One of them. But but this every single classic bit of partridge from the saying the thing about the woman running up the stairs right and the camera yeah. crew chasing her saying what a wonderful accent laughing at the person for living in the isle of dogs do you know what i mean <laughs> all of this shit right d- d- the, the 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 sort of awkward two ways to people on location yeah. it's all fucking lifted straight for partridge I, you know i'm watching it and i'm thinking I actually feel as if Steve Coogan was watching this in 1985 and just took it wholesale yeah, yeah. and has been regurgitating it ever since in a I brilliant mean, way. We, we we were younger and we didn't see the nuances and, and how kind of yeah. awkward and embarrassing it was, but loads of these TV presenters just clearly didn't have the ability to interact with the public on the hoof. Whereas people no, like Barry Barrymore was brilliant at it and yeah. Silla Black was really good at it. They had that yeah. common touch, they used to call it, where they, they could interact touch, with anybody. If, 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 like, you've got to remember, right? So, first of all, Edmonds went to a uh, quite a posh boarding school. Not right. like super posh Eton, right? But Brentwood School, which weirdly we've talked about quite a lot on this podcast over the years. It's a recurring theme, partly because mm. it was the alma mater of Frank Lampard and various other celebrities. But also, it was the setting for my Camp Beaumont trips in the yes. mid to late eighties. <laughs> right. It's all linked, so it's all linked. <coughs> Everything comes back to Brentwood School, and he's he grew up in Essex, but in like you know a nice sort of moneyed part of Essex, and he mm. had very aspirational sort of parents, right? Um, who, by the way, he still thinks follow him everywhere in the form of orbs. You know that, don't yes, you? Yes, that's Cosmic true. Orbs. They're, they're there, yeah. And he was an only child. So the thing is, he's got this sort of, although he's a man of people in as much as he seems to understand what it is that, that ordinary folk want to be entertained by, he also has a disdain. He has that middle-class <laughs> aspirant's disdain for the lower orders, yeah. right? <laughs> and it's that and, and that's what Partridge has brilliantly as well <laughs> it's sort of like I'm above you now yeah. I'm on TV I've made something of myself right yeah. and I'm, I've very much pulled up the ladder yeah. Yeah. yeah totally there's another great bit later on but we'll come to that in the next episode where he's interacting with a member of the public and is let's say less than polite um, then it goes to Scotland where they connect the 21st millionth telecom phone line in the UK so they say so Telecom obviously getting a... Another te- first for Noel yeah, to tick exactly, off. Exactly, yeah. Achievement, achievement, achievement. <laughs> um, and um, there's uh, a woman there dressed as Santa, like a sexy Santa, um, and she, which I think Noel comments on. Um, 
she's a bit easy on the eye, something like that. And she's, yeah, lifting, she's, she's lifting the glasses on the trays. They're making towers of glasses with trays that we oh, mentioned earlier. That goes that, on all the way through. That's an ongoing contest that goes on. And then a fella walks back in the, past in the background with a cardboard cut out of a phone box, which Noel finds inexplicably hilarious. Because <laughs> it's more gets, zaniness. Yeah, it's random. Oh, my God, whatever Lord next. random. Yeah. And then they have uh, a more a more roundup of the glass tower lifting thing. Um, we'll leave it there, I think, because uh, there's at least one. Can more I just say briefly this. that the perfect encapsulation of the Noel Edmonds attitude to everything being wacky and <laughs> random, right? And the sort of naff way in which kind of basic people find that sort of stuff entertaining. The be- as always, the best way in which that was ever satirised was on The Simpsons, when Mo turns the bar into a family-style restaurant, right? Yeah. Along the lines of sort of TGI Fridays. And when they go for the opening night, they all walk in there, The Simpsons, and it's and, and Marge looks around, and it's obviously really naff, but Marge looks around and she says, Singing waiters? Road signs and all kinds of crazy crap hanging off the walls and ceilings. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And to me, that's the perfect, as always, no one ever does it better than The Simpsons. And, and that satirizes yeah. the whole Noel Edmonds sort of worldview. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. inordinately impressed and amused by anything yeah. even slightly different to the norm. We're doing this. We don't know why we're doing it, Ooh, but it's Watch fun. out, everyone. Anything <laughs> yeah. can happen. So I'll leave it there because they go back to the jumbo jet in the next segment and there's a bit more Fergal Sharky and some fun with the crankies. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll end it next episode, I think. <laughs> we're coming to the end of it. So thanks very much for listening. Hope you're enjoying your Christmas period. And uh, goodbye. Merry Christmas and goodbye.